Good morning. We're going to read the Bible together. You can see that the passage there is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. You can find that on page 1052 of the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, St. James. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, Let me pray as we sit in this part of Luke together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us and that you have spoken to us by this word. And we ask that you would help us to hear it this morning and respond uh, as you desire. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I used to love watching this TV show called The Mentalist with my family when I was growing up. Uh, The Mentalist is, is like a murder mystery show. And so basically every episode has the same premise. It's about finding who's committed the murder. And every episode kind of ends by finding out who committed the murder. Uh, And what happens is, as you get to the end of the episode, uh, like with a lot of murder mysteries, you kind of get this flashback scene where you realise that there were all these hints and clues in front of you the whole time. And as you start to watch more and more episodes, you kind of watch things a little bit differently. You start to wonder, is this just a random incidental detail? Or is this really important to actually understand the main purpose of this episode, to find out who's done it? Uh, Well, as a church, we've been going through a section of Luke's gospel from Luke 9 to 19. Uh, And we've been looking at this section uh, through the series titled The Road to Save Us. Uh, In Luke 9 verse 51, we're told that Jesus resolutely set out towards Jerusalem, that his mission is about heading towards Jerusalem. There's something important and significant that needs to happen there. He's heading there to be handed over 
to suffer and die so that he might be raised again. And I suspect to most of us, that's familiar news. We've heard that before. And so as we come to Luke 19, and we hear in verse 1 that Jesus is passing through Jericho, that kind of makes sense. You know, he's just passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem. That's the main game. That's the mission. But why is it that in verse 1, when he says he's passing through, that he then says in verse 5 that it is necessary for him to stay at Zacchaeus' house? Is this a random side detail? Is Jesus procrastinating from his main mission? Or is Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus actually integral for us to understand the primary mission, the one true mission that Jesus is on about, that is driving him towards Jerusalem? Well, this morning, I just want us to see, sort of see three things uh, at this, about this sort of unexpected pit stop in Jericho. And, and I want us to see them so that we can see that though Jesus' primary mission is driving him to Jerusalem, this is not a removed or unexpected detail that's removed from his mission, but it actually teaches us about the detail and scope of Jesus' mission. So the first thing I want us to see is that Zacchaeus seeks Jesus. Uh, we know from this passage in Luke 19 that Zacchaeus was aware of who Jesus was because he'd heard enough about him that he decided he wanted to see him. And in fact, there, there are two bits of sort of background information we're given about Zacchaeus in verse 2. We're told he's a chief tax collector and that he was rich. Now, off the back of Luke 18, which we looked at last week, uh, that might kind of bring a couple of things to mind. Uh, we heard a story about a tax collector uh, and a Pharisee, and perhaps scandalously, the tax collector cried out for mercy. And Jesus said he went home justified before God. So that might sort of lead us to think, well, this might bode well for a guy like Zacchaeus. Jesus has responded positively to tax collectors before, albeit Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. But we're also told that he was rich. And again in Luke 18, we hear about a ruler who sought out Jesus to ask the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds to him in a way that reveals something about this man. He calls him to sell his possessions and to expose that his wealth was hindering a relationship of utter dependence upon God as he went away in great sadness about the cost of following Jesus rather than delighting in the gift of receiving eternal life, the question with which he asked Jesus. And this is the assessment that Jesus gave after that encounter to the crowd in Luke 18, verses 23 and 24. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, camel through the eye of a needle, undoubtedly impossible. 
Uh, I am not much for needlework myself, but I understand impossible, cannot be done. And so in one sense, a tax collector has had a positive engagement with Jesus, but in another sense, this seems like an impossible work. How could someone like Zacchaeus possibly receive salvation? Now, aside from his occupation and wealth, the only other detail that we're told about Zacchaeus at the beginning here is that he was short. A seemingly random detail to include, except that that's why he climbed the sycamore tree, so that he could see Jesus. There was a barrier of some sort, and he was willing to bear a cost of a kind simply to see Jesus, simply based off what he'd heard about Jesus. Now, as a tax collector, Zacchaeus uh, was undoubtedly not a popular guy amongst this crowd. You know, this wasn't the sort of crowd that would have happily parted away to make sure that Zacchaeus had a nice, comfortable front row seat. In fact, we're told in verse 7 that they viewed him as a sinner. No one was going out of their way to help this guy. We know what the crowd thought of him. And yet this wealthy, prominent, and corrupt guy has heard about Jesus and he's willing to bear a social cost of a kind and the shame of climbing a tree just to see him. He's willing to go up the tree, even if it means lowering himself in the eyes of those around him. I wonder if you've ever felt that tension of exploring who Jesus is, and if others knew that about you, that it, that it would kind of lower their estimation of you. Just knowing that you come along on a Sunday morning because you want to learn more about Jesus and gather with his people. Maybe you're here this morning and you're exploring who Jesus is, wondering who we are here at St. James, and the thought of telling someone that you came here because you wanted to hear about Jesus to get a glimpse of what it would be like to be a part of his people here would be an uncomfortable conversation to have. I remember when I became a follower of Jesus. It was on a camp in year 10. My parents very kindly forced me to go on this camp. I remember fighting with them for months. You know, don't send me away with the Christians. <laughs> they sent me on this camp. Uh, and I particularly remember in the lead up to the camp, not telling any of my mates from school that I was going. I didn't want them to know I was going on this Christian camp. And I'd even decided to make sure it didn't look like I was interested in hearing about Jesus. You know, Christians get really excited when you show an interest in learning about Jesus. And so I didn't want to give even an inch. So I sort of sat there in the sessions, arms folded, nothing going on here. I was ashamed of the social cost of even looking interested in following Jesus. As a teenage boy in high school, it felt embarrassing, uh, exposing, sort of beneath me, to even look like I was paying attention. But here, we're told that Zacchaeus, though he's wealthy and powerful and undoubtedly not a popular guy in this crowd, he wants to see Jesus. And we hear that he gets way more than he would have ever expected. Because we're told in verse 5 
that Jesus actually seeks out Zacchaeus. Have a look with me. Verse 5. It says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. How mind-blowing would that be to climb a tree just to get a glimpse of this man as he walks past and then to be personally addressed, to see this man call out to you by name. And we know, we know that Jesus' insistence uh, that stopping at Zacchaeus' house, it must be important. You know, he was passing through in verse 1, but when he stops here, he doesn't say, I just need to find a place to rest. He says, I must stop at your house. It's particular to Zacchaeus. But as Jesus seeks Zacchaeus, uh, we're told in verse 6 and 7 that, that this is received in kind of contrasting ways. You know, in verse 6, Zacchaeus receives this news with gladness. But in verse 7, well, the crowds grumble. They mutter. Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner. You know, of all the people that he could have chosen to stop for, this was the guy that Jesus wanted to stop and spend time with. I mean, this is the last personal interaction that Jesus has with someone before he enters Jerusalem. Why stop now? Why stop for this guy of all people? I mean, this is not Jesus stopping to minister to the poor, which he has done extensively. He hasn't stopped to perform a great miracle to reveal something about the kingdom of God, which he's also done up to this point in Luke. It's not even for the purpose of heading to Jerusalem on first glance, because that's where he was already heading. Is this just slowing down the real mission? But instead, Jesus stops passing through Jericho because his mission includes even rich, corrupt sinners. Now, at this point in Luke's gospel, uh, it may not totally catch us off guard that Jesus would meet with an outcast or a sinner. In fact, that, that kind of seems on brand for Jesus, doesn't it? But perhaps the abruptness of verse 8 and 9 does catch us a bit off guard. I mean, in verse 5, he wants to stay with Zacchaeus. In verse 6 and 7, we kind of get a glimpse into those two contrasting responses. But the next thing that we're told in the narrative is this in verse 8 and 9. It says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. It just feels abrupt. It feels like perhaps we've missed a couple of chapters in the story here. You know, I didn't see details about a two ways to live exchange that just went on here. Did Zacchaeus go to a bunch of explore courses and it just was forgot to be included? It just feels really abrupt, this sudden response and declaration that Zacchaeus has received salvation. 
Now, to be clear, this is not saying that Zacchaeus' generosity is what brought him salvation. It's not the means by which he's received salvation, but it's the fruit of salvation he's already received. I mean, otherwise, surely a rich person could enter heaven if they would just be generous like Zacchaeus here, if they'd be willing to give a radical amount of money. Maybe a rich person could buy a big enough needle to to, to pass through. But it feels abrupt because it's really easy to overlook something that's already happened. I mean, did you you catch it there in verse 6? It says, Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. He received the Lord Jesus as Jesus sought him out. And it was as he received Jesus that we see tremendous transformation occur. And abruptly, instantaneously. Because Zacchaeus, though he was rich and powerful, like the rich ruler in Luke 18, does not mean that he was without hope. You see, we we cannot purchase salvation with our wealth, but the way that we use our money can reveal something about us, the things that matter to us, the things that have happened to us. Uh, The the late author and pastor Tim Keller uh, once wrote something along the lines of, uh, one way that you can get a, a glimpse into the kind of idols that you might have in your life is to ask, where does my money flow most easily? It gives a sense about the sort of things that matter to us, the things that we value, the things that we cherish. And Zacchaeus' staggering generosity, mixed with his recognition of wrongdoing and his desire to respond with generosity, it indicates that something transformative has already taken place. That something has changed in the life of this rich, corrupt man. That he wants to respond with great generosity and an acknowledgement of his sin. In Luke 18, when the crowd heard Jesus proclaim, it's easier for a camel to pass uh, through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, the crowd's question back to Jesus just feels so appropriate, doesn't it? In chapter 18, verse 26 and 27, they ask him, who then can be saved? But Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And the salvation that came to Zacchaeus that day, it's not because he paid for some sort of genetic alteration, a new birth certificate that somehow meant he was now part of Abraham's family, you know, he could prove it. It's because of the transformative power of Jesus who makes the impossible possible. I mean, when Jesus says there in verse 9 that Zacchaeus has received salvation, that he's a son of Abraham, that he's invited to be a part of God's people and all of the promises and blessings that come along with that. This is the same Jesus who in Matthew chapter 3 rebuked the Pharisees for boasting in their birthright. This is what he said in Matthew 3 verse 9. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. 
But I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. That is what has happened to Zacchaeus. The impossible has happened. Salvation has come. Life has come where there was death. And it has happened in their midst that very day. The Zacchaeus who was curious about Jesus, who wanted to see him, but everything changed when he understood that Jesus sought him, that Jesus desired him. He desired to draw close to him. See, the very thing that drove Jesus to Jerusalem to endure the cross and be raised in resurrection victory is the very same thing which drove him to take this detour in Jericho. It's the same mission. It's the same mission that Jesus has always been on about. But Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost. Have a look at verse 10 with me. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. See, verse 10 just captures Jesus' mission as the Son of Man with such clarity. This, this singular mission that Jesus is on is the reason for his personal mission to Zacchaeus. He stops at Zacchaeus' house for the very same reason that he's heading to Jerusalem. He's not sidetracked from his ministry uh, amongst the poor or he's not sidetracked from heading to the cross. This is not a moment of procrastination. It's a necessary part of Jesus' mission because Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost. It's not an incidental add-on. It is the mission. You see, Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus. But here we're told that Jesus, the Son of Man, was seeking him. This is who Jesus is. It's what his mission always was and continues to be. I mean, from the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son in Luke 15, they echo the heart of Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost and to rejoice when what is lost is now found. And so by including this unexpected detour on the road to Jerusalem, we can have confidence that when Jesus did arrive in Jerusalem, when he did bear the weight of sin on the cross, that when he was raised in resurrection victory, we can be confident that this salvation for the lost extends to and includes even rich, corrupt, powerful, and socially despised people. It includes everyone. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This is who Jesus is. And if you're a follower of Jesus here at St. James, this is who you are. Your story has been wrapped up into his. It's who we are as a people here at St. James because it's what our Lord Jesus is on about. And so if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, 
and you've been a member of our church family here at St. James for a while, how is it that we can keep having Jesus' singular focus on mission to all people keep shaping and re-guiding us in our mission? For we are partakers in that same mission. And I wonder this morning, I wonder if you've often heard, as I do, that most people make decisions to follow Jesus when they're really young. I, I, I studied at YouthWorks, and I remember hearing all the time, you know, 80% of people make decisions to follow Jesus sort of in their, uh, by the time they're a teenager or sort of through university years. Uh, and don't hear me say that's unimportant. Uh, ministry to the young is so important. I'm thankful that one of our priorities is to disciple the young. But another one of our priorities is to reach the lost. And they're not synonymous with each other. It's not just reaching the lost who are young. And sometimes it's really easy to start thinking that if that's when most people make decisions to follow Jesus, well, well that's the main game. How do we reach those who are above the age of 25, those who have children, those who don't have children, those who are wealthy and successful, who are our neighbours in Croydon and the surrounding area. See, it's so easy to see the difficulty of reaching people whose lives are established, who seem to have much. But look at the example of Zacchaeus. See how the Lord Jesus radically transforms his life. I think we just need to hear this good news again this morning, St. James, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that includes all people of all nations, children, youth, and older, and everywhere in between, the successful, the prominent, wealthy adults. It includes everyone. Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost is an invitation for all. And when we see the difficulties of engaging those around us with the Lord Jesus, aren't we just reminded again that what is impossible to man is possible to God? That's who Jesus is. But maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're thinking, wow, what a morning to come along. You know, he's gotten up, we're thinking about what it is to seek and save the lost. And you think, this morning of all mornings, I decided to come along. Maybe because you've been seeking to learn more about Jesus. Maybe you were like me on that year 10 camp. Someone very kindly invited you to come along this morning and you feel like you're here almost against your own will. Whatever it is that has brought you this morning, if that's you, I just wanna leave you with one thought. Maybe today, you need to hear from the story of Zacchaeus that what changed everything for him was when he understood that Jesus actually sought after him. That Jesus, he knew him personally. He knew him individually. Even within a large crowd, he looked up and he called out to him by name that it was necessary for Jesus to draw near to him, 
so that Zacchaeus might receive salvation and draw near to God. You see, Jesus, he knows your name. He knows your story. He knows everything about you. And the transformative message of the gospel that we see in Zacchaeus Zacchaeus this morning is that he seeks after you. He desires to know you. He wants to draw near to you so that you too, just like Zacchaeus, might receive life and salvation in him. Just as it was abrupt for Zacchaeus to be told that that very day he received salvation. The transformative power of the gospel, the generous welcome of our Lord Jesus, means you too could receive that same salvation today before you even left this property. Because the Lord Jesus is seeking after you. For he came to seek and save the lost. Let me pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your one and only Son to endure the cross and be raised in resurrection victory so that we might receive forgiveness of sins and receive eternal life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that this continues to be your mission, that you desire to draw near to all people, that you know us all individually and by name. Please help us this morning to respond in trust and obedience, to rejoice that you would desire to know us. Father, please help us as your people here at St. James to continue to be driven by your one true mission, that you came, Lord Jesus, to seek and save the lost. And we thank you that we are recipients of that very gospel. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.